Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Wednesday, September the 1st, 2021. And this evening, we will waste no time getting into the word to hear from Yahweh Sabaoth, our heavenly commander. In every way, he is prepping us for the days ahead. Can you feel that, saints? Can you see what he's doing in our midst? You're getting us ready for what's to come. From the beginning of the year, we have been divinely directed. We are being built up for the purpose of representing the Lord on earth. As the darkness closes in all around us, training days are coming to a close. Simulation combat is going to be replaced with warfare. That has serious repercussions if we fail. We're not going to fail. That's right. Now is the time for mature men to illuminate the battlefield and secure the victory. You guys ready to fight? Yes. Yeah. Let's take our first scripture out of uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. Say manhood when you get there. Out of the ESV, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Men of LCM, are we ready to be men in the house of God? Are we ready to grow into the things that the Lord is bringing us day by day to mature us into men? All right. There we are. Are you guys going to respond to us tonight? Yeah. I got to tell you, it is an extraordinary privilege to preach with Elder Bajerajina. So I intend to take full advantage of the opportunity and the blessing. So as we begin, let's recap briefly the Mature Manhood series that we've just finished. You'll recall that we have confidence to receive divine discernment. discernment. Receiving divine discernment is the first and most crucial step in growing into mature manhood. Come on, like a man. Getting this first step right serves as the cornerstone of the making of a priest, which establishes the marking of a priest and culminates in the mission of a priest. Mission of you remember priest. that from Sunday? Yeah. Our good king is showing us the path to mature manhood so we can attain to the measure, the stature, and the fullness of Christ. Church, all this requires mature manhood. And as men of courage and the people of God's armed forces, we are advantaged in every way with our king leading us. I think we may have heard that in our worship service. The storm clouds of war are forming. We want to make that very clear. And our preparedness is paramount as these dark days approach us. Now, I want everyone to turn to Deuteronomy 33 and find verse 11 and say manhood when you get there. Manhood. Manhood. Verse 11. Bless, O Lord, his substance. Oh, yeah. And accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries. We won't go into a word study of that. Let's just say they're going to lose. Crush the loins of the adversaries, of those who hate him, that they may not rise again. Mature men engage in actual war. And the goal is to absolutely crush, demolish, and diminish the enemy. Church, we are aimed at victorious warfare tonight. So let's go to Psalm 120 and say manhood when you find verse 6. So Psalm 120, 6 through 7 says, Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Church, now is the time for war. Look, we've heard so many prophecies 
in the last couple of months regarding these things that we're experiencing and learning and heading towards. We've heard that the Lord is taking a roll call of his warriors and priests. Amen. He is telling us to get ready for battle. That those that respond to God's call, he will make ready for the day of battle and they will be victorious. That the days of training are coming to an end. That we need to get rid of the desires for earthly possessions and focus on only kingdom things. Now's the time to strike. We will also gain new territory for the Lord. LCM has been an absolute preparation for war. We have experienced teaching in maximizing marriages, securing singles, perfecting parenting, multiplying ministries, becoming storehouses of gratefulness, dialing in during these dark days of Jeremiah, finding the ancient paths, remembering all that God has done and gaining the confidence of what He will yet do, becoming men who don't fear the razor, Becoming mature men who are reaching the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Church, can you say that we've had a lot of teaching this year? Can you say that our, our leaders have really been working hard, hearing from the Lord to prepare us for what is to come? When you look back at what the Lord has done this year, is it not mind-boggling? Think about where you were at the beginning of this year and how much the Lord has used our pastors to lead this body, not that we grow in numbers, that we become somehow uh, better looking from the outside in. No, they're, they're putting in us things that make us mature men, yeah. that make us mature followers of Christ, that are able to actually accomplish something in the kingdom. Yeah. Church, this is more than basic training. This is advanced combat training. That's what we're engaging in in this church. We're talking... Special forces kind of training. Do you agree with that? Would you ever describe your discipleship in this church as basic training? No. How about special forces? Now tonight, I want to talk about one of the most prolific elite fighting forces in the world. That's the Navy SEALs. Now what that means is sea, air, and land. But you may know them as the baddest dudes in the armed forces. We have a slide for you. I want to just give you a brief definition of how this is defined, being a Navy SEAL. By the time that you find out a SEAL team has hit you, they're already gone. It takes a special kind of person to qualify for this role. And if you do, if you do, you better be ready to prove it with your smarts, your strength, and willingness to march head on into impossible situations. Because your team is the only one they're going to call for that last-ditch reconnaissance mission and operations that actually never happened. One day, you'll be swimming out of a torpedo tube, and the next day, you could be dropping into in enemy territory out of a helicopter. It takes intense courage. Someone say intense courage. Intense courage. It takes intense courage to be a Navy SEAL. And that's what makes them the best of the best. If you have what it takes, then the Navy has a place for you among the ranks of the elite. You see, SEALs are the best of the best, the elite. And tonight, we ask you, are you SEAL team material? Yeah. Amen. I know you are. In fact, that brings us to the title of tonight's message, SEAL team. SEAL team. And as we progress, I just want to show you another slide about the rigorous training that SEALs go through and realize these are the basic requirements. You can see and follow along as I make some parallels. Because the reason we love Navy SEALs is because of what they endure and they go through and how capable and competent they are. If they show up on the scene, you know victory is imminent. But if you look at the requirements for a SEAL, a SEAL must be a mature man. Now, if that's true of Navy SEALs, how much more a son of God? A SEAL must have vision. If they have to have a vision requirement, how much more a mature man of God? A SEAL must be of fighting age, a capable age. 
If that's true of the seals, how much more those in the kingdom? A seal must have citizenship. Man, we know where our citizenship is. If it's required for the Navy SEALs, how much more should your citizenship be in Christ? A SEAL must be able to pass the test. Now, if you're anything like me, you're not one who's like written test. But that is a requirement for a Navy SEAL. If it's true of them, how much more should a mature man pass the test of the knowledge of the word? SEALs have to pass this diving test. Now I would ask you, shouldn't you be able to pass the test of diving into discipleship? And finally, a SEAL must be able to withstand strenuous testing both physically and mentally. If this is what they have to go through, how much more us in this room? We need to learn to bear up under the weight of the responsibility that God has given us and put on our life. But even after all this, are you guys impressed by that? I mean, just look at the physical requirements that are required in the, uh, the physical screening. It's difficult. It's not easy. But even after all this, you would not be considered a SEAL. This is the bare bones minimum of you even getting to begin your training. This doesn't make you a SEAL. This is what, it's the vetting process to see if you're even worthy to be among the best of the best. To be among the elite. If the minimum requirements seem daunting you, to you, then you can go ahead and pack your bags and ring the bell and go join the Air Force. <laughs> now, when, when I say they're, uh, ring the bell, let me give you a little bit of context here. In SEAL training, when someone quits, they have to ring the bell in front of their peers, announcing that they are quitters and not worthy to be a part of the elite class of warriors. We don't want to be of those who ring the bell, no. who are quitters. No. But we admire these men for their resilience and difficulty and discipline and training. That's why we admire them. Maybe not for the content of their character as it pertains to Christ, but their discipline is unmatched. And that's why we admire them. But I think Paul understood the necessity of discipline training long before John F. Kennedy created the SEALs. So let's gain some insight into Paul's training regiment in 1 Corinthians 9. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Ooh, SEAL team. Say training when you get there. Training. <laughs> Anybody in here interested in racing and not winning? No. I want to win. That's for losers. <laughs> First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Church, we must give absolutely maximum effort in the kingdom race that we have committed to run. If you have committed to doing something, it is all or you're not going to get it done. It is all cost, or it's not going to get done. If you have committed to doing something, your word is important. Maximum effort in this kingdom race that you've committed to. Like a prospective seal, we have not accomplished anything until we cross the finish line. We've got to complete the course that we began. We don't stop halfway. We don't go back. We go and take it to the end. We finish what we start. Verse 25, everyone who, complete, who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Is this not why we enlisted? We enlisted for that eternal crown. We, do, we don't want things that are not going to last. We want the crown that's going to take us to the very end. Eternity. If you are in this church to sit around on the sidelines and just do time and just be a consumer, then what do you think the outcome of your life is going to be? Is that going to be a crown that lasts? No. You will become a finite figure that will not carry over into the kingdom. Much like seal wannabes 
who claim to have greatness as they come in, but they end up ringing the bell when things get tough. But we're not going to ring that bell, church, are we? No. Verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This intense training, church, is aimed at preparing the soldiers for extreme situations that are imminent. We're going into situations and battles that we're not going to be able to avoid. It is going to happen. The Lord is demonstrating this to us time and time again. This entire year he's preparing us for this and he's showing us what is going to come. In order for soldiers to fulfill the objective and complete the mission, they will have to endure unfathomable circumstances. Things that you can't even imagine. But when we stand strong and we stand together, we will endure. The training is going to produce this perseverance. If our discipline is minimized when training, then death is maximized. If we don't do what we say and stand with our brothers, our brothers die. Does that hit you? If we don't fulfill the mission that we have called, brothers around us are at risk of death. We have to do what we've committed to doing. When discipline is minimized, death is maximized. That's, you're going to hear that all night because it's so important that we be like Navy SEALs in strict training, always training, always ready. The reason SEALs are put together isn't so they can be just an elite class. They were put together for the purpose, the purpose of completing missions. That's why they join together and they train so hard. They train because they realize they are a part of an elite team whose sole purpose is to go and complete missions, to fulfill objectives. And if they are weak and they have not been trained or refining themselves in the right area, then when it actually counts and war descends on them, death happens. And it may not just be them. Their mistake or their lack of training may cause the death or harm to the brother that they are fighting alongside with. And if it's true of the Navy SEALs, how much more are those in the kingdom of God? One thing I love about SEALs is they have an, I will die before I quit. You have to take the breath from my lungs before I give up on this mission, before I recant, before I back up, let up, or shut up. Man, that's the attitude we need tonight. And for many of us, it's the attitude that we have. But man, I want, I want it to be on a greater scale. Not I'll die before I quit. I had a hard day at work. No, I'll die before I quit. I will take his word to the nations and endure whatever hell is thrown at me. But this is what sets seals apart. Is that they'll die before they quit. Consider Hebrews 11.32 in light of that. Say... Seals when you get there. Hebrews 11 verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Church, these are the men that we're supposed to be sitting with in the kingdom and being able to have some kind of discussion with them. They've done great things for their king. And the Lord's going to give us an opportunity to do great things for him as well. Continuing on, whose weakness was turned to strength. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Listen to this. Others were tortured and they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings while others were chained and put in prison. 
They were stoned and they were sawed in two and they were put to death by the sword. Lord, don't leave us out. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the grounds. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect, uh, made perfect waiting for that mission to be completed. Now, these warriors set the bar very, very high for us. In their faithful obedience, they endured great suffering for their hope in the resurrection. That's why they held out hope and they would not give up. They would rather die than quit. Not one of them had this revelation uh, and was willing to ring the bell. Not one of them wanted to quit. And the reason that they made it into this chapter of the word of God is because they didn't quit. They were willing to die before anything like that happened. And the reality is, it's what they signed up for. Yeah. It's part of the job. Man, if we can take hold of that, yeah. how resilient in the face of difficulty will we be? Yeah. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be for someone who is trying to persecute a real man of God, a mature man, that said, I'm going to skin you alive. Great. I refuse to run. Actually, can you take your time? Oh, you, know, you missed a spot. Why don't you just quit? I'll never ring that bell. I'll die before I quit. Amen. Why don't you run? Why don't you give up? Man, this is just a greater resurrection. This is, this is what I signed up for. It's what makes me who I am. It's also what my king did. I follow in his ways. Jesus never rang the bell. Jesus would die before he would quit. And his followers learned the same thing. For these men who wandered about destitute, persecuted, mistreated, and the world wasn't worthy of them. You could say they were grunts with grit who would never leave the ice. They wandered throughout the desert in the mountains and caves and holes in their homes and everywhere in between. You could say that their homeland was sea, air, and land. Much like the men in 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you'll turn in your Bibles to that and find verse 1. What an interesting group in 1 Samuel 22. Just track with us here and watch what happens. 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. So these guys showed up, a bunch of misfits. No direction, no purpose. Maybe even not even interested in life that much. Just like, give me something to do. But these guys took their training, if you will, their discipleship, very, very seriously. They became serious warriors. You can see the transformation. That happens in these men. They're being trained. They're given a purpose. They're given a mission. They're coming alive like seals. They, they, they want to go out there and fight and do something. They want to accomplish something. When you share experiences with your brothers, such as being shaken down in Turkey, or there's artillery going off around you in Israel. Right, Prio? Trips to Mexico. Visiting one association churches, you develop camaraderie with your brothers. You really have a special thing. That's so true. More importantly, though, much like a SEAL team, LCM, we have joined together and we share our daily struggles yeah. together. Amen. We're not doing this thing by ourselves. We're not alone. And if you tell me I'm not alone, I got Jesus, I I'm not listening to you. We need our brothers, and they need us. Amen. We're doing all this together. We're doing it together. Look at these very same men after their training. 
after their discipleship and after they became men who would rather die than quit. And we'll pick it up in 1 Chronicles 11, 15 through 18. Let's look at what these men became. This is 1 Chronicles 11 and verse 15. Three of the 30 chiefs came down to David to the rock at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. And at that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. They broke through a Philistine garrison for a cup of water. These are the same misfits that came to him at the cave of Adullam. But look what they became. They became the best of the best. They became the elite special forces. Say they might be seals. But these men were not commanded to get water. There was no order for David or from David to go get water. He just said, I'm thirsty. Their loyalty towards their leader provoked them to action. I'm just going to say that again. Their loyalty towards their leader provoked them to action. What does your loyalty provoke? Those who were once distressed and discontented now have the overwhelming confidence that comes from pledging their life for their king and their death to complete the mission. Complete the mission by any means necessary and at all cost. Like a seal, we must be willing to accept the risk to complete the mission to which we were called. Our objective must be obtained by any means necessary and at all cost. This is serious, church. By any means necessary and at all cost. At all cost. All cost. We must complete the mission. That's our objective. And our commander-in-chief has shown us how we are to conduct this operation. And he has already determined the result of our faithful conquest. These men and their loyalty, um, they put uh, their lives at risk for, yeah. their, for their king. They didn't run down to the stop and go and pick up a bottle of water. They actually, it didn't matter to them if they died. Yeah. What mattered to them to fulfill that mission? Let's give our king what he desires. He didn't ask for this, but we're going to do it anyway. Because yeah. yeah. we see that that's what he needs. Amen. Amazing. From the beginnings of this group of men that were completely without direction in their lives. If we pick it up in John 17, uh, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Seal team, when you get there. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on the earth by completing the work. Say completing the work. Completing the work. You gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What a passage. Jesus brought glory to the Father by completing the mission. There was not going to be anything else or any different outcome except to complete that mission. Any means necessary at all costs. How do you plan to glorify God? Just think about that for a second. How do you plan to glorify God? Truth is, you may have thought glorifying your father is showing up for a couple of services, worshiping a little... You know, a few times a week, maybe joining in, doing something. Maybe sharing some of your life problems with him and asking him to do what you want to do. Maybe even uh, 
holding yourself high and showing him how great you are. My exploits, Lord, do you see what I've done? This is not how the Son of God glorifies the Father. That's right. We bring him glory when we complete the mission by any means necessary and at all costs. And he's the one that establishes the mission, not me. When you look at how seals go about fulfilling their mission, you have to ask yourself how much more when you speak of the sons of God. How much more if we're talking about ourselves? So much more. If a seal is willing to die before he quits, how much more a soldier of Christ? How much more us, saints? When you are willing to die for the cause of the gospel, you are ready to dive into the testing tank of discipleship. One of my favorite things ever is discipleship. I got to say, I love discipleship. It's the best thing ever. It is the best thing. The process, it just, it's great. And what, what is so uh, moving in, in this moment sharing a word with Elder Baj is I was one of the misfits in Adulam when he first met me. But we are sharing the eternal word of God together today. That does not happen by default. It's a process in which you enlisted and you said I would be willing to die before I quit and the Lord allows you to endure through the training to actually become someone that is equipped. Nothing about where I came from, nothing about who I am, intellect, personality, anything makes me qualified to do this. My qualification comes because Christ has called me. Incidentally, since we're talking about qualifications, it also does not matter how old you are. Yeah. Because I was an old man when I showed up here and the discipleship was awesome. You guys ready to dive in? We're diving into the testing tank of discipleship. Remember that seals were always training. That's why we love them. If they're always training, then how much more the disciples in this house should be always training, always getting better, always pushing themselves, honing in their craft, getting sharper, smarter, and more elite. Say always training. Always training. Why don't you open up your Bibles to John 6. When you get there, say seals. I'm going to be reading from verse 66. Get there by any means necessary and at all cost. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. For a moment, think about what Jesus is saying. He just laid down a very, very difficult teaching, and people are turning away to no longer follow Jesus, completely rejecting him, ringing the bell, giving up, saying, this is too hard. It's not for me. I wasn't cut out for it. This is what's happening. And in the midst of that, Jesus, undeterred by those who are leaving, He asked his closest disciples, you could say SEAL Team 12, do you want to ring the bell? You want to go with them? You want to ring the bell? But Peter's answer has to be ours. Where else would we go? We don't have anywhere to go. We have no fallback plans. I'd rather die before I quit. That's the response we need. Do you want to ring the bell, church? No. No. Why don't we go ahead and continue on to Hebrews 12? That's the only attitude we can have, saints. We got nowhere else to go. When the Lord brings you here, that ought to be enough. There's there's nowhere else you can go. He he brought you here. Let's get into Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Say, diving into discipleship when you get there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This cloud we're talking about, those that have already done more than promised to die for their faith, mm -hmm. they have completed the mission and died in their faith. Yeah. That's amazing. We know that they did this. We have a cloud of witnesses. They finished the race. They died in their faith. They're in a cloud. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We can do this. For those who are diving into discipleship, we have to throw off everything that hinders. Yeah. What is blocking you from fully engaging in the process that you need to? And if we talk about discipleship, we can talk about anything. What is blocking you from doing the things that the, that the Lord and this house require you to do? What is hindering you from being where you're supposed to be? You've got all kinds of different hindrances. We'll just touch on a few. The first one we'll talk about is alternative sources of wisdom. So I need to find out. I need direction in something, Peyton. So I go to you. I'm going to call my mom and find, oh, find out no. what she thinks. Boo. Yeah. I'm going to read a book about psychology or something. You know, alternative sources of wisdom. How much revelation is the Lord showering on us? And we need to do these things? Does it not sound ridiculous? It's ridiculous. Hidden offenses. Oh, that brother, man, he, he looked at me funny. I can't handle that. He said something the way he said it. I, I just can't handle that. But I'm not going to talk to him about it. I'm just going to keep that here. And I'm going to go on and just be mad. I'm not going to share it because I like my offense. All right? It's hidden away. But that stuff always comes out. Yeah. It always is going to come out. Buried insecurities. <laughs> What's going to happen? Oh, my family, my job, oh, the future. I, I, I can't think straight. What are we insecure about? The Lord is demonstrating what we need to do. Where is our insecurity when the Lord shows you what to do? It's time for us to grow up, church. Fallback plans. Well, you know, if this doesn't work out... You can always go join my sister at her church. You know, they're a nice group of folks. I mean, they, they, they got it going on over there. Nonsense. The Lord called you here. There's no plan B. There's no leaving if he called you here. Escape routes. Planning to do something in the future that involves... Detaching yourself from this place. Already have devised scheme in your mind. This is wicked. This is terrible. We cannot have these kind of hindrances. All of these things are simply barriers before our eyes and we cannot see where the Lord needs us. Pet doctrines. Hey, look, I'm not going to get into this very deeply. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're sitting around... And there's a big old sword about to come down and cut your head off. Are you really going to be interested in your doctrine? I'm going to be uh, interested. Are you pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? Uh, I don't know, but here comes that sword. Yeah, no, th really? that is an incredible point. If you have pet doctrines that you use to beat your brothers down with or to somehow make yourself feel more holy... Does that really matter whenever you're in the trenches of warfare or you are being persecuted? Imagine how, it's tongue in cheek because it's so ridiculous. If you were about to get your head cut off, are you, are you really arguing over where you fall as far as eschatology? No, I think regardless of your differences, you're going to be next to each other. Hey, to the very end, don't give up. Hey. Stay on the ice. Keep praying with me. Keep praying with me. And you would be encouraging them. And 
extolling and saying, hold on to the end. Hey, we would rather die. Remember what we signed up for. We would rather die than quit. Hey, we're going to complete the mission by any means necessary and at all costs. And I'll be damned if you don't go with me. I will not let you quit. That's, that's what we're wanting to cultivate. We're wanting to cultivate an attitude that says, I will die before I quit, and I will not let one of my brothers fall because we enlisted in the same thing. We signed up for the same fate. Remember we talked about those great rewards that the king has in store for us when we complete the mission? You can't have those just by signing up. Much like you can't become a SEAL just by doing the basic requirements. You have to go through the process, go through the trials, go through the struggles, experience great victory, but also experience loss. Experience when things hurt, when you, when you did not come out on top, because the goal was always that you complete the mission Amen. and that you would rather die before you quit. One more I want to cover. Ulterior motives. Woo. You actually hear to do what this house is doing and live the way this house lives or are you fishing around for something else? You like the fellowship and you like the worship but you don't really want to be involved in the process of living this life. This is, this is bad, it's, it's watered down, it's diluted, it confuses you. You can't get anywhere like that. We gotta run this race with perseverance. Perseverance means all those barricades that are getting in your way gotta go. I got this vision, just, just now a picture of a guy doing hurdles, and instead of running over them, he's knocking them down. This is good in this case. The hurdles are going away. I don't know. But aren't you glad that we have solutions to these hindrances? Because in this church, we don't have to remain where we are. We got all kinds of ways that we can help. And the Lord has showed us all kinds of revelation and teaching that can help us in every single one of these areas and a whole lot more. So a couple of points of discussion just briefly about discipleship. And one of my favorite topics, Tom Adim. You know, early 18 January, the Aswan team presented Tom Adim all different teachings, eight times, one for each letter of the word. It's a beautiful thing. Clear, concise, biblical, uh, unmistakably pure and easy to follow. My question is, in this house, opportunities have been given by men to take in disciples that are being not necessarily rejected, but not taken a hold of. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Golden opportunity. You cannot advance and get this mission fulfilled unless you get into this. If you are asking to be taken in and then you cool off, this is also bad. How long will it take you to attach yourself to somebody that is offering to disciple you? You have to go higher. You got to go higher. You come in here, you got to rise up. You come in here and you think you know more than you actually do. Maybe you think you're ready when you walk in the door. Oh, I got this. I know a lot of stuff. I got to tell you, you don't got this. You don't. You got to go through the training. Discipleship is absolutely critical in this house to be able to achieve the objective that the Lord has laid out in front of us. It's huge. Humongous. It's going to take a lot of people, a lot of discipleship, a lot of training, a lot of families. Praise the Lord, a lot of babies. We got that. Amen. And, and, and we're still going. Amen. Isn't it good news that you do not have to stay where you are tonight? Yeah. It's not a static position. Imagine the seals who are training and they go out in sub-zero water, however cold it is, and they're locked arms together floating out looking at the sky. And one is starting to think, I'd rather just die out here. I'm so cold. What a message to tell your brother, hey, let's swim out of here. We don't have to stay here. Really? 
let's go together. Come on. We're getting out of here. It's what we're doing tonight. Whatever, whatever hindrance is in your life that you know you need to deal with, hey, you don't have to stay there. Let's go. Let's go to the high ground. We got a mission to complete by any means necessary and at all cost. It's because men who are diving into discipleship, eliminating fallback plans and escape routes, and everything that hinders are men who are becoming what Jesus is. These are the men who remove insecurity and rise to the challenge. Men who rise like the mighty man Ezra. You guys want to go to Ezra 9 with me? Go to Ezra 9 and find verse 5 and say seals when you get there. All right, verse 5. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement. There's some people here tonight that need to rise up from self-abasement. And you can. You can. You can rise. With my tunic and my cloak torn, and I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and prayed. Ezra is rightly broken over the sins of his people. He's torn out his hair, torn his clothing, and is sitting in self-abasement. But there comes a time where, when real men must rise from self-abasement. Like a soldier coming out of the trenches. That's how we rise from self-abasement. Not a 10-step process that's seven days. No. Like you're coming out of the trenches and mounting a full frontal attack. That's how we rise from self-abasement. Saints, you must rise from the focus on yourself and your own insecurities and your own sin by any means necessary and at all cost. You must rise up tonight. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, by any means necessary, you must rise tonight. Say rise up. Rise up. Rise up. This type of man is like a seal, willing to give his life for the men around him, and in doing so, Meaning, willing to give his life for someone. In doing so, he becomes a man worth dying for. The man who can rise up from self-abasement can lock arms with his brothers and say, I'll die before I quit, and I'll die before I let you fall. That man will die for his brothers, but he's also a man worth dying for. It's the kind of men we want to be in this room. Why don't you guys go ahead and go to... One chapter over to Ezra 10 and find verse 4. Ezra rises. He rises from that pit of a situation that he's going through right now. He gets out of there. He rises. Ezra yeah. 10, 4. Rise up. This matter is in your hands. We will support you. So take courage and do it. 10, 4. Just a few short verses later, the men around Ezra have seen their SEAL team leader in action. He's getting up. They were ready to rise up with him. You see the leaders in action. You rise up and take action yourself. You see leadership in what they're doing. Rise up and do what they're doing. Join the leadership and rise up. And you will succeed. There's no other way to do this. Take courage and do it, church, because we're with you. We are with you. We are with you in every way. Every disposal that we have is for you. Everything that we have is for you. Everything that we know, our dedication, is for you. You've got to rise up. And I know in this church, y'all going to rise up. Yeah. You need brothers around you. You need leaders. You need brothers. You need a jarhead covenant. You got to know that there's men around you that are strong, that can look you in the eye and shake you down if you need it. Look you in the eye and encourage you when you need it. You need men around you. This is, this is critical. Doing this alone, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with seals. It doesn't work in this house. Alone equals failure. What makes the seal special? They're set apart for the purpose of greater unity 
with their respective team. They work together, completely and totally unified. They know how each other thinks. They know how they move. This is what I've read and seen, I don't know. But this is, appears to be correct from, from, what, from what I've uh, read and seen. They know each other so well. The greater the mission, the more set apart or holy the team must be in order to complete the mission. So it's holiness or die trying. That's right. Say holiness or die trying. Holiness or die trying. We are going to get this, saints. Let's take a look at John 15, verse 13. Rise up. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. It's an excellent true statement. Yeah. A mature man of God is willing to lay down his life for his brothers. That's right. I know in here that's true. A mature man will do that. And we want to tell you a mature man is a man worth dying for. Don't you want to be a mature man who is willing to lay down his life for his brothers? Yes. Then let's rise from our self-abasement and be a man worth dying for. What about that? One that is worthy of being part of SEAL Team because you would rather die than stay in sinful self-reliance or self-abasement. You got to get out of there. You got to clean it up. You got to rise up. Would you rather die before you quit, church? Yes. You ready to complete the mission by any means necessary and at all cost? Yes. I hope that is impacting you the way that it's impacting me. I see Rob and Paul right there, and they are with me because they, they've experienced the armed forces. This hits a little closer to home. Man, when the mission needs to be accomplished, you realize this might be your last operation. Be the last time you're sent out. You're not coming back. But that doesn't deter you from actually going. By any means necessary and at all costs, I'd rather die than quit. And honestly, I would rather die than watch one of my brothers fall. It's kind of like laying down your life for your friends. Greater love has no one greater. It's nothing better. Man, the highest aspirations. Not that you become the best Bible student, that you become the most prim and proper speaker. That's not what it's about. Man, to show my love to be able to die for someone in this room. Oh, Lord, I, I say, don't leave me out. Man, I, I know my brothers pretty well. We're, we're pretty close. Like a little platoon. We call it the kibbutz. I know them so well. I would love to take all the suffering, all the difficulty, all the hardship, put it on my shoulders, and get to die for them. Man, I dreams of that. I dream of that. And I know my brothers, they would be very upset if that happened. So I'll make one concession. We get to suffer together, but I get to die for them. Because they wouldn't want to be left out. But for LCM tonight, our time has come. Our day has arrived. It's time to rise up. War is at hand, and our great warrior king, King Jesus, is more than just calling the troops to muster. He's calling you to get ready. See, he's forming his own SEAL team right here in this room, right here in this church. You are SEAL team. You are SEAL team. I want you to hear what Paul says in Ephesians 1, verse 13. Because you are SEAL team. But not the SEAL team of the U.S. Navy. That's not what we've been talking about. No, you are seals of the heavenly special forces. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked with him, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption and those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
to the praise of his glory. What brings him glory? That the seals complete the mission. Church, the reality is that you joined SEAL Team when you chose to follow Christ. And we all want to be SEALs. And tonight, the revelation is that you are. When you chose to follow him, the king put his seal on you and said, this is SEAL Team. Your objective is to fulfill the mission by any means necessary and at all cost. When the king of kings has sealed you, and called you to the front for battle, it cannot be revoked, cannot be diminished. It cannot be lessened. Seals complete the mission by any means necessary and at all cost. Tonight, I implore you, do not surrender your seal, church. Do not give it up. Hold on to it by any means necessary and at all cost. You would rather die before you give up that seal. You would rather die before you quit in anything that the Lord has asked you to do. And everyone who wants to be a seal always asks, do I have what it takes? If you've enlisted in the army of Christ, you've committed to die before you quit, you've dived into discipleship, and you are willing to complete the mission by any means necessary and at all costs, then you are seal team. And you will complete the mission. You will glorify the king of kings through your sacrifice, through the unity that you have. Why? Because the reason you were called together was to fulfill the mission, to fulfill the call. We are so, so benefited. One, because this is the most devoted group of Christians that I've ever met. And the Lord has given us a mission. It's this region of the world. One of the most difficult places to preach the gospel, the most closed off. And because we can read our word, we understand why he's sending us there. Hey, the most difficult battle is in there. I need the best of the best. I need the elite. I need the special forces. I need my SEAL team. That's who I'm sending. SEALs, it's time. Oh, I'm, I'll let the elders speak. <laughs> Just uh, to reiterate, not to give up your seal. Yeah. Don't give up your seal. What else are you going to do? Where will you go if you give up your seal? What is this going to look like? Stay in the fight. Come on. Attack discipleship. Learn as much as you can. Seek the Lord. He's going to provide all this for you. Just do not... Lose your seal. Don't do that. We've seen people lose their seal. Lives are full of bitterness and anger. It doesn't go well. Keep your seal. Hold on to your seal. Do not give it up. You'd rather die before you give that up. When an elder speaks into your life, consider that military intelligence. What makes seals successful one, they're the best of the best and they're the elite. They're ready for any situation. What keeps SEALs alive is that they don't get ambushed. How do they know? Intelligence. They know where to be, when, and how to execute the mission. They map it out, and then they go and execute it. Being on SEAL team is not something that you just make up as you go. There's a process. And the way that you become an effective member of SEAL team is you press in to your brothers. You press into this body. You get close to the pastors. You get close to the elders so that you are receiving that intel and you're briefed. Hey, here's the state of affairs. This is what's going on in the kingdom. This is what we're working towards. This is the objective. Let's go out and fulfill the objective. Yeah. Church, I want to encourage you from Revelation 12 as we approach a close. This is Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you that the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Church, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Some of you in this room are afraid of the battle that is ahead of you. 
Listen to me. Do not surrender your seal. Do not surrender your seal. The reason the Lord is telling us not to be afraid is so the difficulties of the mission do not come as a surprise. Military intelligence. Knowing the inherent risk allows us to prepare in advance. Discipleship. And allows us to focus solely on our goal, which is what? To complete the mission and gain the crown of life by any means necessary and at all cost. That's who we are, SEAL team. We are those who will inherit the crown of life. We will complete the mission by any means necessary and at all cost. Amen. Amen. Hold on to your SEAL. You know, it, in, in worldly battles, yeah, it can make sense. Surrender, save lives, it's fine. Raise that red flag. That does not apply in our world. Surrendering your seal in this kingdom is a different kind of death. And it's ugly. We're not going to do that. This church is not going to surrender the seal. We're getting close to the end. And I want to read a verse out of uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And this is in the Amplified Bible. And it reads so well. It says, And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Do not lose heart and grow weary. We're chasing after that prize, saints. We're chasing after that crown. We're going to win that. We're not going to grow weary. We're going to jump into training and discipleship. In due time, we will reap a great harvest for the Lord. We're not going to loosen. We're not going to relax. We're not going to be faint in our courage because He's with us. We're with you. He's with all of us. We're going to do the saints and we're going to win. I have a lot of confidence in all of you. The reason the Lord is telling us that war is imminent is so that we not do not so that we do not lose heart. It's kind of letting us know this is it's coming to you, but I'm letting you know. I'm also giving you strategies so you can get ready. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you without a family. I'm not leaving you out away from me. Not only am I not doing that, but I'm giving you what you need. Providing everything you need. We got the seal. We got the power. We got the strength. We got the seal. He's letting us know throughout the course of this year. If, if you look back far enough, it's, it's a long time that he's been showing us all this this, this, this path that we're on. It's truly amazing. And I was telling us, don't lose heart because I'm telling you what's going to happen. Don't lose heart. It's going to happen. We're not going to be shocked or surprised. He's letting us know. What we have to do is stand firm and be courageous. Don't surrender your seal through the subtleties of insecurities and self-abasements. Don't do that. Shake it. You don't have to do that. In this family, you don't need to do that. You don't have to stay in the state that you're in. Nobody does. You stay in the state you're in is probably because you want to. This altar is where you can replace it with a I'll die before I quit mentality. Don't surrender your seal. The seal has to be in training at all times. Do not forego your training. Do not forego your spiritual exercise. This race that we're running, don't stop running it. Do not forego discipleship. Listen when the pastors speak to you. They know what you need. These men of God, they hear from the Lord. They have strategy and vision. It's remarkable. You can trust these men, I promise you. Be 
You also know that if you stay in training and if you engage vigorously in discipleship and train hard, it's going to produce good results. It's going to produce good things. It'll produce crowns that last forever. Forever. This altar is a place to renew your commitment to dive into discipleship like your life depends on it. And it does. Your life does depend on it. Without discipleship, it's not going to work. We have so many good examples of discipleship in this house. We have an entire house that is now discipling disciples and others that are discipling disciples. It works. It is now moving down in a spiritual sense generationally. And those families are now discipling their own children. It's, it's remarkable. Saints, it doesn't work because I say it does. It works because the biblical pattern demonstrates it. Don't surrender your seal. Get close to your seal team and become a reliable brother. Become a trustworthy brother. Become an honorable brother. Brother that keeps his word. Brother that does what he says. Become one of those guys. You'll be worth dying for. This altar is a place where you can come to die for your brothers and to become someone worth dying for. I ask you tonight, whatever's in your heart, whatever needs to be dealt with, whatever is hindering you right now, and I do not give up on any man or woman in here because I know the Lord can do everything if you would just ask Him. Whatever's hindering you, whatever's in your heart that is creating turmoil in your life, I'm inviting you down to the altar right now. Let's come before the Lord and let's deal with it. It can be done, I promise. The Lord wants to do it. He's calling you to do it. As I pray, make your way down here. 